The Rooms of a Mother's Heart, page 17. Mother, it is impossible to hear that word without emotion. What do you feel deep down when you read the word mother? And why does the word mother carry so much power to create emotion? Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, our mother left us a legacy. For some of us, that legacy is unadulterated love. For others, the legacy is devastating heartbreak and loss. And for most of us, the legacy is a mixture of both belonging and pain. Mother, she is a powerful force that can launch us into life from a sturdy core of belonging and confidence or from a hollow shell as an emotional nomad. Whatever the legacy, we carry it forward. And as we become mothers ourselves, we can feel a shadow. The shadow can be a fear that we will not live up to our benevolent and wise mothers, or it can be the haunting of wounds from the past that echo in the deepest rooms of our aching hearts. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. And my very special guest today is Carol McLeod. I am so excited to have Carol here. She is a true hero in my life, and so I'm a little bit fangirling, but so happy to have her. Carol is the author of 10 books, and most importantly, she is an ardent, passionate follower of Jesus, and she's addicted to his word. Those are her words. I can say so many things about Carol, but I know that I know I want you to hear from her. I want her heart, her wisdom, her knowledge, her expertise to come to you today. I do love the fact that Carol was the first woman's chaplain at Oral Roberts University. I just love that so much. And she currently serves on the university's alumni board of directors. She is president and CEO of Carol McLeod Ministries. And so stay tuned. We'll let you know how to get in touch and read so much more about this remarkable woman. Carol has been married to her college sweetheart, Craig, for 41 years. What a testimony. And is the mother of five children in heaven and five children on earth. They're now enjoying being Marmy and Pa to their seven delicious grandchildren, whom Carol refers to as the seven wonders of the world. I love that. Her latest book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart, A Sacred Call and an Eternal Purpose is our focus today. And um, I like to describe it, or you describe it this way, actually, Carol, as an invitation to a mother's heart. And as I was preparing for today, I realized how these conversational podcasts, as I told you a few minutes ago, this is a new realm for me. But it's been very interesting that these podcasts have been serving many invitations over these past weeks, an invitation to living a life where no hint of shame is present anymore, an invitation to live from a place of sacred rest, 
an invitation to live in wholeheartedness, an invitation to find strength for the in-between places, to endure and embrace the unexplainable places in life, an invitation to become stronger and stronger in our faith and an invitation to thrive through transitional periods. And as I read through Rooms of a Mother's Heart again, I thought you've been through every one of those. Life has handed you so many invitations. But I would love to start right here if we could. Carol, first and foremost, hello. Let me let you greet us. So good to be here with you today. What a delight. Thank you for having me. I'm just so honored. I'm so honored. I lost my 92-year-old mother this past August due to COVID-19. So today's subject, as my listeners in this community know, is very sensitive material for my healing heart. So I'm so glad you're here. And with Mother's Day coming up, I know that it's going to be tender. The words I just read, the words you just read, the very beginning of this podcast express my heart completely. Let me reiterate that. I just wanted to go reiterate just quickly as I turn pages every which way. Especially when you say, why does the word mother carry so much power to create, and I would add, such strong emotions, Carol? I I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Like, why is that? I've been pondering it since my mother died. I thought, wow, this is hitting me so hard. Well, and let me just tell you, I'm so sorry you lost your mom to Mm -hmm. COVID. I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. you're walking through this pain. Mm-hmm. But I've thought about that, Janelle, and I think that mothers are supposed to be the ones who love us unconditionally, who believe in us fervently, and who respond mercifully all the time. The truth is, mothers are human. Mothers are human beings. We are not perfect people. The day that a baby is handed to us, whether we gave birth or adopted it, or a little trail of foster children comes into our home, we don't morph into perfect women. We as women and as mothers are on this complicated journey Mm. of figuring out how to live well and love well in spite of our weakness and past pain. And oftentimes it is with our children that we react emotionally when we should be responding in a Christ-like manner, right? Oh, goodness, yes. Being a mom and having a mom gives us as human beings yet another opportunity to grow in strength and in wisdom. Being a mom and having a mom presents the glorious opportunity to become less like us and more like Jesus. That's all I can figure out. Yeah, it's so true. In this community, our Stronger Everyday community, our main focus is something I call this threefold cord of emotional health and mental fitness or emotional intelligence. And that is a healthy sense of self. Some of us would call that an identity, our self-worth. I like to call it our God-breathed self, our healthy behavior patterns and healthy communication skills. And the reason I think that I started building my a place for me to stand on was just due to my own self walking with Jesus for years and years and years, yet still not being able to overcome certain emotional things in my life. And so I just went in my fifties and got my master's and decided I want to go and learn more and get more tools. And so I can help people more in your opinion, I'm asking for your opinion here. Would you agree that strong emotional health in a woman's life? I like to say a woman's greatest gift 
to her legacy is her emotional health. Because I believe when emotional health is present, then spiritual maturity flourishes even more and more. Yeah. So Janelle, you are so right that our emotions have a great potential of determining the kind of legacy we will live. If we're bitter, our legacy will be bitter. If we're angry, Mm -hmm. our legacy will be angry. If we're joyful, the good news is we'll leave a joyful legacy. What you said is so true. We are three-part beings. We are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And each part is important. Each part takes attention. And I will say this. If you as a woman, if you as a mother are pulling your hair out and you're saying, oh, would somebody help me live a healthier life physically, emotionally, and spiritually? I'd say, come off the ledge. Come back to me. Let me invite you into a way of thinking. And I'm going to say to you, if you really want to live a healthier life physically, emotionally, and spiritually, let's start with your spirit. Let's talk about your spirit. Because you need to feed your spirit healthy nutrients like the word of God, Mm -hmm. um, worship, fellowship with other healthy believers. Mm -hmm. And as your spirit is strengthened, you'll have the power to then develop healthier habits in your body and in your soul or your mind. So that's where I would tell the women and the moms who are listening today. Let's start with your spirit because it's going to impact mm-hmm. your emotions. You know, Janelle, I don't know if you know this about me, but the reason I started ministering to women is because I went through a deep, dark depression in my 30s. No. Please, would, would you mind talking to us about that? Yeah, I'd love to. I was clinically okay. depressed for seven wow. years. And it was circumstance related, as a doctor might say, it was triggered by my circumstances. Oh, gotcha. It was infertility. I would get to between 12 and 20 weeks of my pregnancies when the babies would die inside of me and four of them I held in my hand. So my hormones were out of control. So we could say some hormonal things Mm -hmm. were going on. My heart was broken. Mm. My arms were empty. And that black hole called my name every single day for seven years. I went to my medical doctor And I did what the medical doctor told me to do. And I'll just be honest with you. I was on medication, okay? No judgment here. (laughs) I went to a certified counselor who helped me navigate grief and pain and disappointment. But during that time, also something else happened to me during those deep days of emotional pain. I developed an addiction. And the addiction that I developed was not to alcohol or over-the-counter meds. It was to the Bible. And the Bible delivered me from that dark place before my circumstances changed. Now, if you are depressed, listen, sister. Yes. Lean in and listen. Mm-hmm. Go to your doctor. Absolutely. Find a trusted counselor. Yes. But also never forget the power of your faith to give you a supernatural strength to push away from the black hole of depression. Now, Janelle, I'm going to be honest with your listeners. I feel safe. Always. We are completely honest. Yes, Carol. Thank you so much for that, for being transparent. Depression still knocks on the door Mm -hmm. of my heart. Same here. It still does. But I've learned how to answer that door. I've learned how to answer it with the word of God. I've learned some habits, some practices that I must have in my life on a daily basis. Beautiful. 
Can you um, share those or have you shared well, them already with worship and prayer, but maybe some specific? I have to go for a walk outdoors yes. every single day, Janelle. Yes. I have to. Nature feeds me too. Yes, yes, me too. You know, and it says in Psalms 23 that he leads me beside still waters, leads me beside green pastures. He restores my soul. Mm. There's a soul restoration that happens in creation, in mm-hmm. nature that we cannot understate. So another thing that I'm always careful to do is to be praying for other people, not just for me. Yes. We get so self-introspective in that. Yeah. And I'm an introvert by nature, Janelle, but I have to reach out to other people. So those are some of the things I do. When you go back to those years, that's a lot of years. And that makes me think of Hannah. She's like one of my heroes in first Samuel. And It says that it was years and years and years that she wept much, but that there's an and in that sentence and prayed much. She wept much and prayed much. And I've always said for years and years that if she stopped at the weeping much, that doesn't end well. No. Right? The fact that she would turn to her God that she ultimately must have deeply known him, that he was good in his nature. But I always say that had to be such a pivot point for her. And that's what you're saying here, that if you had not turned to the spiritual practices, turned to the God of the universe, if you had only wept much, taken pills, you know, done other things. And that's what we're all about here in the Stronger Everyday Community. Oh my goodness, I'm a trauma-informed therapist. I see broken women every day and myself included. And so it's very important to get medical help when medical help is needed. But I agree with you a thousand million percent that we have to turn to the power of God's word, even when it falls flat. Yes. So I tell women all the time, Janelle, listen, we don't read the word primarily for information. We read it for transformation. Oh, yes. Even if your mind is saying, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't have time for that. Read anyway, because it does a miracle work inside of you. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, my soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Yeah. So I love the story of Hannah Janelle. Mm-hmm. And I always say to women, yes, cry, cry, yes, cry if you weep. But if you're only crying, you're only doing half the job. But yes. Oh, I love that. I love the way you're saying that. There's other things yeah. that we need to do. Your tears are precious to God. Mm-hmm. If you're in a fetal position crying, God's right there with you. He's close to the brokenhearted. He He's is. Bring over you, but we must do more than just yes. cry. We, do. we must worship with tears rolling down our cheeks. And I do that. Mm-hmm. We must have a tear-stained Bible. And I do. And even when we don't feel like it, we must reach out to others. Because all of it heals us. All of it does. Healing can't happen. It's proven that healing can't happen in isolation. It happens inside of a safe community. And so that is what we try to do here in the Stronger Everyday community is create a heart-lifting Fear of influence for people to feel safe. Yes. And we try to be safe people. How do we become these safe people mm-hmm. who can help others become safe people? And then the world in our worlds become a lot better. This quote was in your book, Carol, and I love it just so much. It says, in every generation, mothers must answer the call to be what no one else 
can be for their children and do what no one else is able to do for their children. Mothers must accept the biblical call to motherhood, or we will be guilty of producing a generation who wanders in the wilderness of moral deficiency, racial divisions, this is so relevant, and underdeveloped conscience. I really love that you added that. Underdeveloped conscience. I'm not suggesting that mothers are the cause of society's ills, nor are they mankind's saviors. No, but the future of our nation, our schools, our church, our neighborhoods, and our world depends largely upon what we do with the children under our care. And Harold B. Lee says, the most important work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. And I say that over and over and over again here. Mm -hmm. It's the most important work. It's the hardest work you'll ever do. And I love that you've been so transparent to help all of us, but particularly young mamas in a serious pandemic, a global pandemic that we're now thrust in, that we're not going to be perfect. We are, you know, one of our big tenets is accept your humanity. I think that in my younger years, I most definitely didn't do that. The spiritual formation that I received was, I didn't receive a lot of take care of yourself first, self-care, put the oxygen mask on first. It just wasn't part of my grounding theological foundation. So I love that you're bringing to the table your struggle. And I say, that's what becoming stronger every day, that's what it looks like, Carol. It looks like you're seven years through the deep, dark valley of the shadow of not only, yes, infertility, but miscarriage and death and loss. And I'm just, I'm so sorry for that. I know that your message today is a result of all of those years. So if you could call back, because, you know, we're, we're taping this during National Infertility Week, which I just... I only know that because of my own dear daughter-in-law and her struggle and my son's struggle with infertility. And so she brought that to my attention and she belongs to a beautiful national group called Moms in the Making. And it's this focused, safe place for mothers suffering with infertility to go and to be. And what, what might bless your heart? I know. I'm just crying for your daughter-in-law right now. No. Because I know that pain. And so I'm so glad we're going to pause and linger here for a minute. Yeah, like we need to. Yeah. So this is the thing I would want to say to young moms, to the moms in the making group, the highest call for a woman is not to be a mother. Mm. The highest call for a woman is to be like Jesus. And if we are a mother, motherhood shows us all the ways that we need to be like him. And if we're not a mother, the struggle, the disappointment, shows us all the ways we need to be like him. So whether you are a mother or you're not a mother, the highest call for a woman is to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. for those moms who are in the waiting room, oh, and I know the waiting room so well. I, I know. know so well. Mm -hmm. Listen, what you do in the waiting room matters. If it you're going to spend time there, choose to spend time in the waiting room well. Teach Sunday school. Volunteer in the church nursery. If you see an overwrought mama, say, hey, could I babysit for you Friday night? But plant healthy seeds that will take root in your future. Love that. Yeah. And you have already brought up Hannah. And I was going to talk about this when we talked about infertility. If you want to be a mom and you're not a mom, seek the heart of God with your husband. So Hannah cried a lot. She prayed a lot. And Eli spoke to her. The priest Eli spoke to her and said, 
by this time next year, you're going to be a mother. And then the Bible tells us this, Janelle, in 1 Samuel 1, 19, then they, that's Hannah and her husband, Elkanah, they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Do you see what they did? They worshiped Worshiped. the Lord together. So this mamas, this is not just something you're going through. Right. You and your husband worship the Lord together. Now I'm going to make it very personal. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, My daughter, Joy, Mm -hmm. married the man of our dreams six years ago. And right from the get-go, they wanted to have a baby and they never used birth control. They were both virgins when they got married and started right away and it didn't happen. And Mm. three infertility specialists told them you will never have children. Oh my gosh. It's physically impossible. Now, Joy is the one of my five children that I thought she'd have 20 kids and we'd have a TV show, right? Yes. (laughs) We actually felt that way with Kristen and Grant as well. And I'll be very personal here because Kristen's sister has triplets and Grant's a twin. Okay. So we were always like, watch out, man. It's going to be a host of them coming all at once. And then this all unfolded the journey that no one would have expected. Of course, Kristen's always wanted to be a mama. She's just a beautiful, beautiful, young, godly woman. And my son, you know, and thank you for Also acknowledging, Carol, the struggle that the father endures as well. Well, they came home from the infertility, the final appointment, and Chris took out his guitar and they worshiped the Lord. And he took three days off of work and they fasted and prayed and worshiped together. And then they started to look into other things. They looked into adoption, public, private, international, and it all seemed to be so much money. It is. And then they looked into fostering. And then Chris decided to go to med school. He was an engineer. And he said, well, maybe I'll go to med school. So they had to move. And they began going to this new church. And one of the women there asked Joy out for coffee just to hear her story, just to find out who she was. And when Joy told her that they would never have children, she said, what? She said, I want you to come to our house for dinner this Friday night. So Joy and Chris went over to their house for dinner. And this older couple in their 40s said, we went through infertility. They already had three children. She said, we have nine embryos and we want to give them to you. And so Kristen adopted their nine embryos legally, everything. And baby Haven was born two months ago. Joy carried her. She gave birth to her. And we are smitten with this baby girls. So sisters who are listening, don't ever underestimate the power of worship in your life. Mm. Pressing pause and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to fast our way through this. We're going to cry our way through this. We're going to worship our way through this. Mm. And we're going to be open to the plan of God. Yes. So beautiful. Oh my goodness. It, I just have chills on top of chills here. Because my older daughter wrote a song years and years ago about Hannah. She said, what you hold in your heart, you will one day hold in your hands. And I know that I keep praying, God, I just know that you're going to place your child in their hands. And as our mutual friend, Erica Wickenhorn, who was on last week, says God had told her and her struggle with infertility that it would come out of his bounty, not out of biology. Mm-hmm. So God has just built this conversation in such a way to really, I know at such a time as this, that this is a word in due season 
for my own personal grandma heart, for my yes. son and his wife, and just so many more that are listening. And, you know, I think I don't want to switch gears here, but just for a moment, there's, yes, there's infertility of the womb, but there's also infertility in the womb of the spirit as well. And so there are many, many probably who have been in a waiting room of a different kind with dreams or potential or whatever the case may be. So I think this word is a word in due season that the place where we fight this battle, this is how we fight our battle, right? Michael W. Smith surrounded you know we fall at the feet we sit at the feet we weep at the feet we worship at the feet we didn't have this plan but carol would love to know because i just think it's so super cool that your son-in-law came home from that meeting and worshiped with your daughter because that's an echo of you and your husband it is yeah would you share that i would so we had just lost the fourth baby at 19 weeks and five days in my pregnancy. And we were in the Duke University Hospital labor and delivery room. It was filled with interns and neonatal specialists and nurses. And Janelle, it was one of the holiest moments of my life. It was a sacred moment. It was utterly silent until one of the doctors started crying. And you could just hear grown, learned men in this room just crying as they took our little boy away. And one of the nurses who was standing beside me just brushing my hair away. And she said, Carol, are you okay? And she'd been with me through other trauma. And I said, yes, I'll be okay. And in that holy moment now, my husband started to sing. He started to sing, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. And, you know, I just want to say to your listeners, we all want this little happy life with a white picket fence and pretty little flowers, but that's not going to happen. There'll be moments of that. There'll be seasons of that. Of course. But the most exciting, the most defining moments of our lives are when we're in that place, when we're in a sacred, holy moment of unbelievable pain, and God meets us there. That he meets a mother whose heart has been ravaged time after time after time. He comes close and he says, Carol, if you let me, I will use this to touch a generation. You know, Janelle, I think about Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, how his brothers had beat him up. They'd sold him into slavery. They'd left him for dead. They'd lied to his dad. And this is what he said in Genesis 50, 20. He looked at them. They're all middle-aged now. I imagine they're balding and (laughs) paunches. And he said, guys, brothers, listen to me. What you meant for evil, God meant for good to save a generation alive. And when we give God our pain, one of my things in life is don't waste your pain. When we say, I love that you say that. Yes. Would you use my pain as a springboard for ministry? He will use it to save a generation. And now my call is to minister to women who are depressed, who are discouraged, who are dealing with infertility, who whose bodies have been changed by cancer. Mm -hmm. That's my call because Mm -hmm. I will not waste my pain. I will not give the enemy one more minute of my pain but I use it as a springboard of ministry. You know, it says in Corinthians that he comforts us in all of our affliction so that 
we will comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. Right. So that's our call. Yeah. We've been talking in the community this past week about strength has many faces. And it's just been really, really on my heart. Of course, my new book, Becoming Stronger Every Day. I always say becoming stronger because that's what I wanted the title. So, but it's stronger every day because I think it's a becoming process. But I didn't want to give the wrong impression of what strength looked like. And you have just given strength another face. That strength looks like seven years of weeping and weeping and weeping and going to doctors and seeking God. And wow, your marriage endured it, which is such a testimony that you're still married, that your husband bellowed out in that sacred moment, all he knew to do, all he knew to do. That just, that's what spoke to me when I read it. I could just, I was there. I was in that sacred moment because I've been in my own journey. I've been in those places. That's all you can do. And I just love that he's saying over you. Yes. You know, it's Zephaniah, right? He will sing over you. Yeah. I love that he did that. And then your son-in-law did that to your daughter. That's legacy. Yes. See, that's the legacy of emotional health mm-hmm. that I'm talking about and spiritual strength. They're inextricable. Mm-hmm. And when you speak of Joseph, and I see that one of my favorite Bible commentators, really old school, <laughs> is F.B. Meyer. And he wrote this beautiful study on Joseph that I devoured in my 20s, and I keep them all close at hand. And on Joseph, he said that iron was forged into his soul in all of those journeys that he took on the backs of camels, being sold as a slave, being thrown in pits again and again and again. And in that moment you're talking about in Genesis 50, I call it the turn it around God moment, you know, what Satan meant for evil, God turned around for good. That's Genesis 50, 20. And that moment when his brothers do come before him, he has to leave the room. He leaves that space for a moment to gather himself. I bet he weeped a bit. It says that they heard him crying. Okay, there we go. It's been a while since I read it. Okay, so he did weep and they heard him crying through the wall. So once again, that's strength. being made perfect in weakness, right? And so we've been reading 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 12 from the Passion Translation. I'd never read it from this translation. And the very end of it says that where in the King James or whatever the familiar verses are, strength is made perfect in weakness. This version says our weakness becomes a portal for God's power. Mm. And a portal is a large, grandiose pearly gate entryway. Man, that was a paradigm shift for me spiritually when I thought, oh, oh, when I'm weak, it also says it's where we deeply sense our need for him. Mm -hmm. So it's just been such a paradigm shift. And I am hoping that it is for someone today that that's where strength is forged. We become stronger every day when The rooms of our mama heart, when God walks through those rooms in those moments of depression and darkness and despair and silence, that's where it's happening. Yes. Yeah. Man, we haven't even touched your book. (laughs) But we have. But we have. I want to read from page 44. I think we probably just need to take a deep breath for a second before we close. This is, I just want to let everyone just take a pause. This has been so good, so deeply helpful. Thank you, Carol. 
So let's just take a deep breath. overwhelm anyone but I want to read from page 44 in your book yes you write I am the woman's movement (laughs) I just screamed when I read it when Queen Esther was called upon to make a monumental sacrifice in order to save a generation of people this question was posed to her who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this Go ahead and finish if you have it. I think you have it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When Matthew was laid on my chest in that hospital birthing room, a world-changing woman was born. I received a download from heaven's assignment room when my firstborn son entered the world that has never left my heart. I knew that I had been called by the one who created me to raise a generation of children who would change the course of history for Christ and his kingdom. I realized shortly after Matthew's birth, that I am the woman's movement. (laughs) I will be used for a greater and more eternal purpose than this world could ever offer a woman. I might be called upon to swim upstream from my culture, but I will rely on his strength to do it with joy. Just, just love it so much. You also write, in the birthing room of my heart, I have often unlocked the formerly concealed joy of the simple things in life. I want to start a woman's movement today. Okay. I do it with We have to do it together. We're so much better together. I've just had chills upon chills upon chills upon chills because I feel like in that furnace of infertility, or you fill in your blank, perhaps you're right? Whatever valley of the deep, dark shadow of death that you yourself are facing today, it may not be infertility physically, but it may be infertility emotionally, spiritually, mentally, right? So when we're in that birthing room in our hearts, your book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart, goes through all the different rooms of a house, like the living room, the kitchen. And I just got stuck in the birthing room because I was just feeling some things are going to be birthed today Mm. in the lives of women all over the world who are listening to this message. It's a birthing day. It's just a birthing day. Do you hear me? You write, I've often overlooked the formerly concealed joy of the simple things in life. I have happened upon the unmatched delight of the achingly yet hidden familiar during the years of hands-on mothering. Who knew that a gnat could be so bothersome, or that a caterpillar could be so engaging. Who knew that a baby's chortle? Chortle. Chortle. I don't even know what that is. It's a giggle. I had no idea. I learned a new word. I love to learn something new every day. A chortle. That's the best. And do you know children laugh 400 and sometimes a day, and as adults, it's only 15? Oh, we got to change that. We got to change that. It's a woman's movement. So this is where we're changing. Who knew that a baby's chortle could instantly change the atmosphere in a home or that a rich conversation with a 10-year-old could hold such a wealth of wisdom? Who knew that a PB&J, Grant and Kristen, that's your favorite, sandwich, a glass of cold milk, and a book of jokes would bring sunshine to an otherwise dreary, rainy day? Who knew? Carol writes, and here's our challenge. In the birthing room of my heart, I have often unlocked the formerly concealed joys of the simple things in life. And I repeat that. Because I think that that's where we're going to be birthing. 
It's going to be in these concealed joys of our natural everyday life. But as we come and sit at the feet, as we walk, like you've already said, a way that you got through your dark valley, boy, me too, is walking and being in nature. And today's Earth Day. So I think it's so cool that we have brought that to the light again today. But yesterday I was walking and was very windy here in Virginia, which my Midwest counterparts would beckon to differ. You know, windy? No, mom. It's not windy until it's like 30, 40. But I just stopped under this big tree, and I'll be putting this on Instagram later today, even. By the time you listen to this, it will be on there. But I just stood under a tree, and I videoed it, and I just, I just watched the wind just go through the trees. And I was just like, Holy Spirit, come, just come. There are those today that need your spirit to blow over their lives. And I feel like that today. I feel like the women's movement, I am the women's movement. Before I interject, Carol, what did that mean to you? What might that mean to you today? Something resonating in you? Yeah, I wrote that because I was raised in the 60s and 70s when women were burning their bras. Some (laughs) of your listeners won't know this. When the women were being appointed to the Supreme Court for the first time, when they were Mm -hmm. becoming network news anchors, when they were becoming astronauts. So, you know, as I was dreaming about my life and I would say, I want to be a teacher. And my high school guidance counselor would say to me, oh, no, you need to be a principal. Or one of my friends said, I'm going to be a nurse. And the biology teacher said, oh, no, you need to be a doctor. And Mm. so into this estrogen-laced, I am woman, hear me me roar, I gave birth to Matthew. Mm. And I realized that God's way has never been the world's way. And that a woman who lays her life down day after day to Mm. raise a generation of children to know Jesus, to love his word, that's not a waste. That's a high honor and calling. Mm -hmm. And so I laid down my dreams of a six-figure income. I had a corporate job at the time. And I took on the mantle of motherhood. And Janelle, I have not regretted it one day, Mm -hmm. not one minute of my life. Because, you know, God spoke to a man in the belly of a whale. He spoke to Mary on the dusty streets of Bethlehem. He spoke to Ruth in a field where barley was being grown. And so never underestimate the power of the ordinary in your life to be the woman that God has called you to be. I think that we have listened to the voice of the enemy. You know, the enemy is intimidated by how powerful women really are. And the enemy does not want mothers to mother well. He wants us to mother poorly. Preach it. Lose a generation. And so no wonder our minds are twisted and we don't know where to find value or significance or purpose. No wonder. But let me just speak to you, mom. Listen, no guilt, no shame. I know we live in a two-income society. I understand that. But I just want you to know and to value the importance of spending time with your children, of rocking and holding and declaring the word and reading the classic books and listening to Chopin and Gershwin and show tunes and and John Philip Sousa on the 4th of July. I just want to remind you that dinners around the dinner table, even if they're paper plates and they're pizza that you've brought in, when you sit at the table and look at each other's face, that's the most important moment of your day, even Mm -hmm. if you sign an executive order somewhere else. Yes. Oh, no. The most important moment of your day is when you fellowship with the family that God has given to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the woman's movement that I've really been 
pounding the table over for a decade at least in my life that when women, when we gather together, shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, heart to heart, and we lay aside, Paul says, lay aside all of those things that will burden us. When we lay aside our envy, our comparison, our discontent, our selfishness, when we lay aside, and this is where you and I were going to talk a little bit about the social media issue with young moms today. I think the woman's movement that I am seeing in my mind's eye and my spirit's eye that maybe could be birthed here is that we lay aside the comparisons of Instagram perfection, social, just social media status or social media. I really cannot imagine parenting or mothering in such a time as this. Because I would probably have been really lured. I am lured into that even now. Mm -hmm. So I think that I want this message that will be coming forth and launching off our month of May and mothering and thinking about the power of a mother, a healthy mother, Mm -hmm. a mother who offers her children secure attachment and psychological language. A mother who sees her children, hears her children, lets her children know that their home is safe and secure and they belong there. Just like you were saying, put down the phones, put down the social media distraction, at least maybe call a social media fast in May and give that time. You know, I've spoken to so many mops groups where moms were so honest and transparent and mops as mothers of preschoolers, in case you don't know what that is, about spending five and six hours a day checking social media, filming, taping, all of those things. So I just think the woman's movement today is that we come to a reckoning and an awareness. And that's where your voice has been so important today, Carol. There is nothing more important because the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. It really does. I would just pose a question to moms who do have an addiction to social media, to Pinterest, to Instagram. I would just say, why? Just just tell me why. Just tell me what your motive is. Because this is what I know as I look at motherhood in the rearview mirror. Listen, my children didn't need $1,000 birthday parties. They didn't need an annual trip to Disney World or to play on an Olympic development soccer team to have a lovely and magical, very meaningful life. What your child needs is you. He or she needs you. They need all of your heart. They need your attention and your joy and your creativity and your coaching. Your child just needs you. One of the stories I tell Janelle is that Matt and Chris, our two oldest boys, were both born in January, just like three weeks after Christmas. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And they were the first grandchildren on both sides of the family of a very generous family. So our house looked like Toys R Us, okay? (laughs) Just an embarrassing abundance. And it was just a day or two after their birthdays, and they were in a scuffle about an item they wanted. And I got upset with them, and I sent them to their room. And I walked in there, and I said, honestly, we have given you the world. What do you want? And Christopher, who was three years old, looked at me, and he said, we just want you, Mom. We just want you. And Mom, that's what your kids want. So- As a mom in a social media kingdom, set healthy priorities for yourselves. Yeah, very good advice. Priority was just to give my kids time. They didn't have a lot in tangible items because my husband was a pastor. We had five kids, but we gave them eternity. Mm -hmm. We gave them eternal 
philosophy on life. I wanted my children to grow up to change the world, not with titles or money or position or even education, although I wanted them to be educated. Of course. But I wanted them- All good things. Yeah. I wanted them to carve their pathway with acts of kindness. Beautiful. Hearts of servanthood and a vibrant faith. And you don't need social media to do that. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you so, so, so much. You know, I, Jenna, I know we've gone over and we probably need to go. I just feel like we need to talk to moms of prodigals in closing. Go, please. I had an interview a couple of weeks ago about the book and the man had been so gracious, but at the end he went off script and he said to me, so Carol, and he said it a little bit with (laughs) an attitude. So if you raise your kids this way, they're all going to turn out perfect. Oh, of course. Yes. he was egging me on and that was fine. I said, oh no, because motherhood is not an assembly line. We are not a factory where we develop these perfect little robots. I said, the reason we mother this way is not to get a certain product, but we mother this way as a love offering to Jesus, as an act of sacrifice to our creator, to please him. I said, but the truth is our kids have wills. And they make decisions. But the promise we have as moms is that if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not be perfect. <laughs> and so we have the promise. The Bible doesn't say when they're teens or young adults, they won't depart from it. It says when they're old, they'll come back. And so if you have a prodigal, I do, and I'm standing on the front porch praying and waiting for them to come home. In Jesus' name. Oh, it's so good. We talk so much here about the hallways of our home. And so your book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart, was just so beautiful. I'm going to close with this beautiful. It's actually from the musical Little Abner. Mm -hmm. And it writes, you can tell when you open the door. You can tell if there's love in a home. Every table and chair seems to smile. Do come in, come and stay for a while. You almost feel you've been there once before. By the shine and glow of the room, and the clock seems to chime, come again, anytime. You'll be welcome wherever you roam. You can tell when there's love in a home. And I'm thinking that our woman's movement, and I will be launching this for May and challenging all of us to just consider, consider mothering, whether we have littles whether we are praying for a conception to take place, praying for pregnancies, praying wherever we are, we're all mamas. You know, one of my greatest heroes, Amy Carmichael, was a missionary mother to many, many little Indian children. She herself was never a mother, but she was a mother. They called her Amma. We're all mothering. We all have, you know, God gave us this beautiful, maternal, feminine, beautiful quality of nurturing. And so I just want to challenge myself and all of us in this community to just maybe have some examination of our mother's heart and the rooms of our mother's heart in May. And so I'll be talking more and more about it and speaking more about Carol's beautiful book. So if you don't have Carol's book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart, I have it on Kindle and I have the book. So I just encourage you to order that. Carol, please tell everyone uh, before we close where they can find you, where they can get more of your wisdom and your experience. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you, Janelle. Well, my website is carolmcleodministries.com. 
and fix yourself a cup of tea before you go there and spend some time reading a blog, maybe joining a Bible study, leaving a prayer request, listening to a podcast. I'm on Facebook as Carol McLeod, Bible teacher and author. I promise never to talk about politics. Encouraged, you'll always get a daily dose of joy on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm just Carol McLeod. So I'd love to have your friends and your listeners, your community join me there just for some joy and some hope as we go through life together. Tell us a little bit more too about Significant Women. It's a beautiful podcast that you are. Right, right. So podcast, it's on all the podcast platforms called Significant Women. We all have a significant story to tell. And so the Significant Women podcast tells stories. I interview, I have friendship talks and I'm going to have you on my next season. Oh, I can't wait. Of women just like us who are just living Mm -hmm. We're just doing it. Yeah. And stories of people. I've done Amy Carmichael before and Bible women, Elizabeth Elliott, just women whose lives we need to emulate and model. Mm -hmm. They didn't live perfect lives, but they lived wholeheartedly. They lived significantly for the cause of Christ. Yeah. Very lovely. Would you please close us in prayer before we, we say our goodbye? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Father, we thank you that your truth is eternal, that your calling is clear, and that your forgiveness is never ending. Father, for the women who are listening today who are dealing with infertility, Lord, would you do a miracle? Father, would you do miracles in the wombs of infertile women all across America? Lord, would you do what nature, what biology, and what science have been unable to do? And Lord, I'm especially praying for Janelle's daughter-in-law today. Father, that you'd give them babies, Lord, more than one. Mm -hmm. Give them babies in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're praying for those mamas of prodigals today too. Yes. Lord, we call out to prodigals. We say, come home in Jesus' name. Come home to Jesus. Yes. Lord, we love you and we love serving you. Father, I pray today that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart was acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heartlifters, always remember, you my friend, are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear, and you can smile at your future. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.